Philippians in chapter number 4. Philippians and chapter number 4 and verse number 8. Now, we got to visit this text uh, Sunday night before last, uh, just uh, kind of dealing with this idea of thanksgiving. Uh, and so, looking forward to jumping back into it here this evening. Um, and pray that it'll be a help and a blessing. This is the fourth and final prescription or remedy for conflict. So when there's conflict within a church, how do we solve that conflict? So this is the fourth piece of it. Uh, I'll say this. I think this is one of the most important ones. All of them have been very useful, very helpful, very vital. But this one, if you could latch on to this one, I I think it's one that just be a tremendous help and tremendous blessing in your personal life and us as a church life. It'll just be a tremendous help. So if you found your place there in Philippians 4 and you're able to, let's stand together uh, to honor the reading of God's Word. Philippians and chapter number 4 and verse number 8 is our text. Now let's start reading in verse number 1. Again, just to kind of get the flow of thought, it's sitting in a context, so let's get that there. Okay, Philippians 4, 1 says this, Therefore... My brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodias and beseech Sentici that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which laboreth with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my yoke fellow, uh, excuse me, my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Verse number four. This is where the prescription or the remedy for conflict comes in. Verse number four says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto, here's the hard part, all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in Everything. Those absolutes are so important, aren't they? Nothing, everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here's our text. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned, and received, and heard, and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Which is this, this is what he's basically saying in verse number 9. Uh, now you know what to do to solve conflict. So go do it, right? So that's the prescription for conflict. May God bless the reader of his word. You can be seated. And uh, thank you for standing in honor of the scriptures here tonight. All right. Wrong thinking equates to wrong actions. Every wrong action first starts as a wrong thought. This is really crucial To all biblical context deals with this, but especially the verses we're going to deal with here tonight. Very important to understand, a wrong action is preceded by wrong thoughts. Which means if we want to correct actions, we must first correct our thinking. 
Because wrong thinking, wrong action. Let's put a positive spin on this. Right thinking, right actions. Okay? It goes both ways. Now, most of us know this to be the case, but then we do very little to filter our thinking. Sometimes we allow our mind to run amok. And we allow our mind to think wrong or to think evil things, and thus we have wrong and evil outcomes and actions. You ever feel yourself beating yourself up? Why did I say that? Why did I treat that person that way? Well, oftentimes it's preceded by wrong thinking. Okay, so we want to try to address our thinking. Now, filters are around us all the time. We obviously understand what a filter is. Uh, you maybe have an air filter in your uh, HVAC system. If you didn't know you had an air filter, you might want to find that and check it and replace it. <laughs> might be a little clogged up at this point. Uh, but you have a filter, and that helps kind of collect those uh, particles and dust that cause all kinds of nasties, you know. Uh, think about uh, filters in cars. Uh, there was one girl in college, her dad had bought her this nice car, and then the engine all but blew up in the thing. Come find out, she goes, I didn't know I was supposed to change the oil. And I don't know how long she had been driving it, and the filter was just, you know, caked up. Everything's just messed up. Filters are in, important. Uh, you know, you have a pool. You ever seen a pool that the filter's not functioning properly and how cloudy and yucky and disgusting it can get that way rather quickly uh, if the filter's not functioning properly? So we say, what is the purpose of a, a filter? Well, it's to filtrate things. Uh, in my office, um, I've gotten into a, a bad hobby that Evie says is not allowed at the house. It has to be up here at the church, and that's having an aquarium. And uh, I, I love the aquarium in my office. I actually first got one <clears throat> when I was uh, over in Kaufman and uh, sold that one. And then when we moved here, I decided I wanted to get another one. So uh, the one I have currently is about 120 gallons. If you haven't seen it in my office, you need to go in there and see it. Uh, I love it. Most people that come in there enjoy it as well. And uh, it's uh, one of those things that just uh, takes a little bit of maintenance. But that little bit of maintenance, if you neglect it, can get out of hand. It can make a tremendous mess. Now, it, within that system, <clears throat> um, there's actually, they, they actually call it a filter. So there's two different filters that are inside of my aquarium. So there's actually these sponge filters, but those are the ones I'm going to talk about here tonight. There's a big one underneath the cabinet called a canister filter. And this thing's about this big around, about this tall. It, it's massive. It's pumping water and and filtrating that. Now, most people, if, if you don't know, uh, when I first got into the hobby and enjoy, you know, having an aquarium, keeping fish and stuff, I, I didn't know the full intent of the purpose behind that filter. I thought it was to pull out bad things out of the water, like gunk, right? Like run it through a sieve and it was going to pull out all the yuckies and, and it would be great. And that is somewhat a function of it, you know, to polish the water, they would say, pull out the yuck. But that is such a small fraction of what that thing does. Actually, what the main purpose of that filter is, is it puts good things into the water. Now, there's bacteria that grows in there. Now, I, I know you just, man, I came tonight to learn about aquariums. It's just going to bless my heart. But there's bacteria that grows inside of that filter. It, it takes it about, oh, I don't know, four to eight weeks, depending on how it's set up, for that to really grow and develop. And you have to do special things to keep that bacteria healthy 
Because what that bacteria does is it breaks down the bad stuff in the water and turns it into good stuff or less bad stuff. Now, it's an oversimplified explanation of the process that it goes through, uh, taking it from ammonia to nitrites to nitrates to nothing, right? It's an oversimplified thing of how that takes place. But understand this, that filter does this. It removes that which is bad, but more importantly, it puts that which is good into the water. Now, when we're going to talk about this here tonight, the mind filter, what Paul is going to give us is a filter that achieves both of those functions as well. It's a filter that helps us remove negative thoughts but way more important, helps us infuse that which is right thinking. No, 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 don't, don't miss this. It's so much more important in Paul's mind, not that they just get rid of bad thinking, but that they add to that correct and right thinking. Because as we would see in other portions of the scripture, getting rid of something bad and leaving a vacuum is a recipe for disaster. Remember when Jesus talked about a man cleaning the house out, speaking of the mind, and then seven worse demons would come and inhabit it? Yep, we need to replace. In Ephesians 4, it talks about that. Put off the old, but then what do you do? Put on the new. There has to be a replacing. So Paul is very adamant about this. It is just as important to let go of bad thinking, but it's so much more important to add right and good thinking. And so we're going to call this tonight the mind filter, or as things in life hit us and they enter our mind, what we allow our mind to think, we need to filter it. How am I going to think about this that this person said or done or this event that's happened? And we need to run it through that filter, small part to remove the bad thinking, but more importantly to infuse it with good and right thinking. Now, the prescription for division is given to us here in this text. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to beat this into the ground, but it is important for us to understand, uh, again, just kind of what the flow of thought is. Remember, there's two ladies, Yodias and Sintichi, fighting each other, not getting along super well. We're going to revisit that a lot here tonight. Uh, and so Paul comes in and he says, all right, I'm going to give a prescription of how to handle this. The first one is rejoice in the Lord. Always. Well, that's pretty potent words. So Paul is basically telling him this. Joy can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. You're not going to find it anywhere else. So place your hope and your vision on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can be in that state of joy always. And so I'm going to say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Well, so what does that help with division? Well, it's hard to be upset and bent out of shape about something when your focus is on Jesus. When you're finding joy and completeness in the Lord, it's really difficult to get bent out of shape about whatever the event was. Then he says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. What is that? Well, don't be triggered. That's the common vernacular. No knee jerking. Be moderate. Don't fly off the handle one way or the other. A good way to remember what he's talking about there in verse number five, he's, he's simply saying this, be charitable to the faults of others. Be gracious. Give people a pass every once in a while that they're going to have a bad day or something isn't entirely what you think it is. And instead of flying off the handle of just and being angry, be gracious, be moderate, be temperate, right? 
Don't be extreme in one direction or the other, but let your moderation be known unto all men. That's the hard part. Because it's easy to be moderate to people that don't need moderation. But people that really need the moderation are hard to be moderate towards. But God enables us to be moderate to all men. And that's why he adds that phrase at the end, the Lord is at hand. Why? Because you can't do it on your own. You need the Lord, right? You need his grace and his help and his enabling uh, to be able to do that. Okay, and and then we talked about uh, last week there in in verse number uh, six and seven, this idea of being careful for nothing or when stress comes into your life, when these stressors and these, these stress points and it becomes anxiety, care, you're full of care. There's one of two options. You can either have the response of man, which is this, being careful about everything. Allow stress and anxiety and worry to run rampant in your mind and heart. Or you can choose the Christ-like response, which is this, prayer. But it can't just be exclusively prayer alone. Come on, you, you and all have all probably felt this before. When you've got something that's anxious on you and stressing you out, and it's like no matter what you do, you can't get rid of it. You can numb it for a while. You put on a favorite TV show or read a book or go do something, but it comes back, doesn't it? It just keeps coming. And I'm telling you, you can come to the altar and pray about it, and you go, oh, I feel so much better. And then it's like, whack, and it just comes back. Well, the way that, that you prevent that from happening is you have to pray with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the solvent that causes that anxiety to quit being sticky. Okay, so what, what, what does this have to do with? Well, it's hard to have conflict and problems with one another when we're stress-free. So he's simply saying when you remove stress and anxiety from your life and you're not full of care, there's a lot less conflict that can happen interpersonally within a New Testament church. So now he comes to this fourth and final point, the final prescription for resolving division and conflict. And this has to do with this. How you think up here in your brain. So say this, your thoughts matter. We often like to separate our thoughts from us. What I do and what I think are two separate things. Sometimes you see those memes that are out there every once in a while. And they say, I don't need deliverance from my words. I need deliverance from my face. You know, because you're feeling that emotion and it just kind of seeps out every once in a while. But we laugh because we've done that before where our heart, we're thinking one thing and we go, mm, and we bite our tongue. But we like to separate those two, but God does not separate the two. See, Proverbs 23, 7 says this, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. God puts much more emphasis on who you are on the inside than he does even on the actions on the outside. Why? Because God understands eventually what you are on the inside comes out on the outside. Like a tea bag that's exposed to heat, the flavor comes out. I'm telling you, you have pressure and heat applied to your life, and eventually what's on the inside starts to ooze out. God is very interested in who you are on the inside. So he said it this way, you are what you think. You are what you think. The old adage would go this way, garbage in, garbage out. And this is especially true of our thinking. In Mark chapter number 7, verses 20 through 23, Jesus gives this wonderful 
explanation. The, the Pharisees come in and they go, this is how Pharisees stand. <laughs> and they go, your disciples are eaten with unwashing hands. And they were expecting that reaction from Jesus, right? Like, oh, come on, guys, wash your hands. And they, here's what they basically are saying. They're defiling the Old Testament law because they're allowing filth into their body and it's defiling them. They're becoming defiled because of the grain they're putting in their mouth. And so Jesus gives this wonderful explanation. He basically says this. They're not defiled because what they're putting in. They're defiled because what's already in there. <laughs> Jesus went in and he started talking about this. Uh, they're sinners. And because they have that sin nature, unless they have a redeeming work inside of them, fallen men, uh, what makes them corrupt, what makes them defiled, is not that they eat some grain with dirty hands. It's that uh, they have an adulterous and vile and violent heart already inside of them. And so he points to the reality that fallen man without the redeeming work of Christ is already broken and fallen on the inside. Well, what does that have to do with what we're studying here tonight? It's simply this. God understands that there can be filth inside of us. And what is filth inside is what defiles us. It's not always what we do. It's who we are and what we think on the inside. Proverbs 4.23 would say it this way. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Simply saying this, if you can guard your heart, it'll, it'll fix all the other issues of life. The behavior, the words, the actions that you have, those can be remedied if you would keep or set up a castle around your heart and protect your thoughts. See, the situation here at Philippi, uh, now, I don't want to beat this into the ground, but it has to be revisited. There's two ladies. You remember their names? Okay, Eodius and Sentichi, eternally recorded in the Word of God. Now, here's where we're going to kind of dive into the story again. Don't lose this, okay? Now, we're going to revisit our, our plot. Our plot is this. Eodius had nursery, and she's running late, so Sentichi's mad. Now, I don't know if that's what it was, but that's what we've been running with, right? Okay, so now let's get... Uh, it's, it's Harvey that said this, right? The other side of the story. That's not even right, is it? I'm too young. The rest of the story. I shouldn't have even done that. I'm too young to do that. Okay, anyways, let's get the rest of the story now, okay? So now you have this. Eodius is running late to nursery. Again. So Sintichi is mad, and we've talked about how this has boiled over into the church, and now there's all this conflict, and their names are recorded in the eternal word of God because of this conflict. Now, whether or not that's what happened, that's what we're running with. So here's what happens. <clears throat> Eodius is running late again, but unbeknownst to Sintichi, here's what happened. The tire was flat that morning. Her husband's out of town for business. And the kids are acting like the kids. <laughs> not only did that happen, but Eodius also got a phone call that morning because they had phones back then. <clears throat> and that phone call that morning was that her father was not doing very well and was being taken to the hospital. Now, all these events are happening in her life, and Eodius in her mind and in her heart, okay, we're really filling in the blanks here, okay? Eodius in her heart and her mind is thinking this, you know what, I need to show up for nursery 
because I, I, that's my responsibility. I've been late so many times. I have to get there. I, I, I need to do this. I know I've got all these other things. I've got so many excuses of why I shouldn't go, but I need to be there, right? Okay, so there's Eodius. Sentichi. <clears throat> she's got some stuff going on in her life too, maybe not to that extent, but all week she's been thinking this, I need to hear God's word preached this week. I'm looking forward to it. I know I've got nursery for the Sunday school hour, but Eodius is supposed to watch it for the a.m. She better not be late because I need the preaching this Sunday. Now, is this a real scenario? Okay, this absolutely in modern vernacular is stuff that can happen. Now, we've got the, the fill in the blanks, the rest of the story, little bits here of what's going on. So now let's play out the scenario. Eodius is late for obvious reasons. She's already kind of, we say it this way, hanging on by a thread. An emotional wreck. Sentichi, when that clock hits one minute after, she has just exploded in her mind. <laughs> I needed God's word today. And now it's all ruined. Right? This is just... Come on, a real emotion. A real heart of things that's going on there. And she's just exploded. And now she's thinking, as soon as Eodius gets there, we have the, the downward spiral of eventually what happens. Because here's what inevitably happens. You have in them, they're not rejoicing in the Lord. Moderation is not there. And obviously there's some major stressors that aren't being dealt with in the right way. Now all of these things, as we've already examined, are causing a massive storm to brew of division. Because Sintichi has already established in her mind, I don't care what's going on in Yodius' life. That is inconsiderate and it's wrong and I hate her. And in Yodius' mind, she's over here and she's like, I'm barely hanging on by a thread and I just need somebody to show grace and mercy and love to me today. And instead, she is met with hostility when she arrives. How could you be late again? She's met with that anger and frustration. Now listen, at this moment... These two ladies have the opportunity to engage the mind filter. But unfortunately, that fails. Now, again, we're reading way into the blank here, aren't we? The Bible doesn't say any of that. But there, obviously, there's something that happened between them. We don't know what it was, but that's a real scenario. That's something that really logically could happen today in our world and in our life. And listen, what, what can inevitably happen then, Eodius can feel this way. Nobody loves me. A lady I thought that was in my corner hates me. So obviously this whole church hates me and I'm just done with Christianity and I'm done with God. And she can walk away from it all because her mind begins to run rampant. No doubt, maybe even in the church, there's some friends that come to her aid and to her corner and start to obviously develop harsh attitudes towards Sintichi. And obviously, as this begins to boil over, the mind filter is not engaged, and now there's all kinds of darts that are being flung in that direction. Sentichi over here, same thing is happening. Mind has run out of control. There is no opportunity for explaining what happened, what took place, where their lives are at. There's no prayer meeting. There's no love. There's no compassion. There's no understanding. The mind filter was never engaged. So Paul comes in, he says, here's what needs to happen. Y'all need to start thinking right. Yep. 
We need to lay off wrong thinking, but more importantly, we need to engage right thinking. Now, I'll just go ahead and say this. Paul says it this way, whatsoever things are, think. That, that's the formula that, that's there, isn't it? Verses 8. Whatsoever things are, think. Which helps me understand this. We have some control over this. That there is an ability when a thought comes in our mind, we can go, is that this? No, it's not. Then I'm not thinking it. Amen. Is that this? Yes. Then I will think that. Which means this. You have control over your thought life. Amen. You are not at the mercy of these evil thoughts and these wrong thoughts. You can take, as the Bible would say, uh, in the book of Galatians, I believe it is, you can take every thought captive, every imagination to the obedience of Christ. You have that ability in Christ. You're not a victim of your thoughts. So Paul gives seven filters, seven things by which we can gauge a thought. Is it right thinking or not? Now, if you're in the habit of taking notes, this might be a good one to uh, write down here. The results could have been different for these ladies, but unfortunately they weren't. So here are seven filters of thinking that Paul gives us right thinking. The first thing he says is this, is it true? Whatsoever things are true. Maybe another way to say this is this, is what I'm thinking accurate? Is it true? Is what I'm thinking accurate? Have I stopped and sought out the facts? Now, in the scenario we just played out, what if Sintichi had figured out the facts? Changes the scenario a little bit, doesn't it? Is what I'm thinking right now true? Is she a low-down, sorry scoundrel who just can't get out of bed in time? Or is there something else at play here? Is what I'm thinking true? Is it accurate? Have I sought out the facts? Number two is this. Honest. Whatsoever things are honest. The word honest there means revered, respected, of reputation and honor. Simply means this. Is what I'm thinking honorable? Is what I'm thinking honorable? Is it something that Jesus would think? You know, what would Jesus do? WWJD? We do it this way. WWJT? What would Jesus think? Okay, the thoughts I'm having right now, does that emulate the Lord Jesus Christ and how he would be thinking right now? Is it honorable? Is it something that is of, of a revered and, and honest thing to do? Number three, is it just? Is what I'm thinking scriptural? Just there obviously has to do with it's equitable, holy. It adheres to the law of God, right? Justice, just. So how does this line up with God's word? What I'm thinking right now, how does that line up with the book? Is the way I'm thinking right now scriptural or is it kind of way out there somewhere else? Is the way I'm thinking just and accurate to the scriptures? Number four, he says this, is it pure? So what I'm thinking, pure. Uh, pure has to do with this. It's clean, free of debris, free from impurities and wrong, chaste. So maybe we can say it this way. Is what I'm thinking right now holy? Is what I'm thinking right now holy? If God heard my thoughts, would he be pleased with what I'm saying right now? Or is it filthy? Is it dirty? Is it defiled? Or is it clean and chaste and pure? You ever thought that? I wonder if people's thought lives were ever put up on the screen. You know, some people think that's how the end of our lives is going to be. You know, God's going to play it on the screen. But it's kind of a terrifying thought sometimes to think if your thoughts were on display. Yeah. 
So say this, keep your thought life clean. So if they were on display, they would be holy, clean, Amen. pure, honorable before God. Okay. Next thing is this, number five, lovely. Lovely. This simply means it's, it's pleasing. Like you look at it and you go, oh, wow, that's really nice. That's something there. Is what I'm thinking gracious. Have I been willing to be sweet and considerate to the other person's point of view? <laughs> I love this. It's lovely, which simply means this. Uh, it's something that's beautiful. It could be framed and it's something that's nice. So when you're thinking about the other person, are you saying, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt? I'm going to frame this in a beautiful way. So I say this, she's late, but obviously she had a reason, right? That, that's a different way of framing that thought, isn't it, than framing it in a totally evil way. Number six is of good report, reputable, well-spoken of, sounding well. Is what I'm thinking disclosable? Can I share it with others to make them a better Christian? If I, if, again, if I were sharing what I was thinking right now, could I sit down with somebody and say, I need to share this thought with you because it'll bless your soul. <laughs> Come on now, let's be honest. What's going on with these ladies, if that scenario played out, the thoughts that were there were quite toxic. They weren't that which could be disclosed and shared and that which was good report. And then the final thing he says is this, it has virtue and it has praise. If it has any virtue, just to even shred if it has anything that's praiseworthy, you say this, is there something that's valuable and something that could receive praise, commendation? Is what I'm thinking right? Can I find value and approval before God with my thoughts? If, there, if there's just even a shred of something that's positive there, then I need to focus on that positive part. If there's any praise thing, if there's anything that's honorable in the thought, if there's anything that's praiseworthy, if there's anything of, of reputation, then let me think on that part of it instead of the other part that can be quite full of filth. So you are what you think. So think right. Titus 1.15 says it this way, Under the pure all things are pure. But in them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Now, I love this verse because it simply says this. If somebody has pure thinking, then everything they see is pure. I love watching kids who don't know the evils of the world yet, and everything they see, they're just so innocent, aren't they? They can even see something that's evil and go, oh, that's so positive. They can find something that is redeemable about it, right? They can go up to some guy who's totally blown his life on drugs and alcohol and messed his whole life up, and they can go up and they can say, gee, mister, you got a pretty beard. Wow, you got some handsome muscles. They can say something, they can find some redeemable quality about it, can't they? Why? To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled, to the evil, everything's evil. It has less to do with what has happened and more to do with our perception of what has happened. Now listen, I'll say this. If you want to find something negative, you can. If you want to find something to complain about, you will. If you're looking for negative, you'll find it. But the exact opposite of true is too also, isn't it? It, it never ceases to amaze me as a pastor. It's, it's interesting watching church dynamics sometimes. There are some people who literally find the positive in everything. It's almost sickening, you know. <laughs> And it's like, I'm over here and I'm losing my mind. This is bad. This is awful. This is terrible. Everything's falling apart. And they're like, man, we had a great Sunday today. You know, <laughs> did you see the same service I did? 
kid, you know? What's going on here, you know? And then there's other people, you can be like on cloud nine, right? Like, man, this is great, this is wonderful, everything's fantastic. Pastor, the humidity in the room was at 65 instead of 64 today. And it messed up my, whatchamacallit. Now again, just throwing that out there as an example. It was funny that there are those who literally, like, you're like, come on, this is, everything's awful. And they're over there and they're just like, ah, oh, this is wonderful. And then other people, it's like, everything's great and it's wonderful and it's awesome. And they're over there and they're like, it's terrible and it's awful. And, it's, and they're looking at the same thing. What's going on here? You say, what's the difference of pessimism and optimism? And there could be an argument made for that, you know, having that. But I'll say this, you have control over that. Amen. Just like we just talked about, you have control of your thoughts. And if that's what's coming out, then what's going on in the inside that's producing that? Because yep. if you're pure, you're going to look at things and you're going to see that which is pure. But if you've got bad thinking, then you're going to see that which is bad. If you want to find it, you'll find it. I'm telling you right now, if you want to find something negative about Bible Baptist Church, you find a lot of it. Yeah. Start with the pastor and work your way down. You'll find a bunch of it. <laughs> you might not even make it past the pastor. It'll all be bad. No, I'm, I'm honest. If you wanted to, you could find He's too loud. He's too fast. He does this. He does. I've heard it all. You, you could find it. <laughs> Keeps me humble, right? <laughs> if you want to, you can find it. But I've also, if you want to find something positive, you can find it too. That's right. And there's a lot more positive than there is negative. Amen. It has a lot more to do with our perception of this. And so he says, listen, if you want to solve division within the church, and things, start thinking right. Allow what's in here to be pure because then it will start being pure that comes out. Allow it to be right thinking because then right thinking starts to come out. It produces that. So have the right view about things. Bring your thoughts captive. I totally found the wrong text for this. It's actually ever written down here. 1 Corinthians 10.5. 1 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Which means this, you can take every thought and say, Nope, not going to think that. Yes. Run it through the mind filter. Is it true? Is it honest? Is it lovely? Right? Run it through that filter. Is this the way it ought to? Okay, then I'm going to think on that. If it's not, then I choose not to think on it. Christ gives you that ability to do it. The course of least resistance often is wrong thinking, though. If we do not have the mind filter engaged by default, many times we will allow our thoughts to run rampant. Notice again that in our text it says this, if, then. If it's lovely, then think about it. If it's true, then think about it. Right? You have control over that, but you must make a choice. Oftentimes our thoughts can be more egregious to God than even the faults that we are thinking wrongly about. Sometimes we say, well, they did this. But God is much more concerned oftentimes, as I read through this book, He's more concerned about our negative thinking than He is about the action that they perpetrated. Why? Because He knows how toxic those emotions and those thoughts can be in our life. Anger, bitterness, malice. You will never find any positive words about those positions of posture of mind within the scripture. So the question here tonight is, how are your thoughts? How's your thought life here tonight? Because it might be that there's someone here in this church or somebody who's maybe not here tonight that you've allowed your mind to run rampant about evil and toxic thoughts about them instead of allowing it to run through the mind filter. 
Could you just be gracious to some people and give them a pass every once in a while? Read Philippians 2 again. It'll help you out with that. That Christ humbled himself to us, so we should be willing to humble ourselves to others. So then verse number 9, I love it. He simply says this. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. This, as I drop everything out of my Bible here. All this, see? All this, do it. Not drop stuff. This. Right? Philippians 4, how to solve this conflict. He simply says, you want to solve the conflict or not? If you want to solve the conflict, here's how you do it. Do these things. You've seen it. You've heard it. You've watched me do it. Now go do it. So I say to you tonight here, church, you've heard it. You've received it. Do it. Do that which has been preached. Let's all stand together as we come to a time of invitation.